Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, book by book, chapter by chapter. We're looking at Zechariah chapter 7 today. This is one of these chapters that talks about ancient rituals and particularly a couple of fasts. And that's something that, you know, a lot of people are unfamiliar with, though maybe it's something we've been thinking about more in the season of Lent, you know, fasting and, you know, why, why do we fast? How do we fast? Uh, here we're talking about a fast that is a kind of mourning. Uh, why are they fasting in the fifth month and in the seventh month? What, is that, what does that mean? to be doing that. And do they need to keep doing it? Is that something that is important to keep doing? Or is that something that they can call off? It's optional. Well, it, it's not all just a matter of personal preference. Let's put it that way. There is something deeper um, that's going on in all this fasting. So looking at that, the word of the Lord comes to Zechariah again, uh, about a year and a half or so later than our previous stuff, looking at that today. And joining us, we've got Pastor Brian Davies returning. He's pastor at Lord of Glory Lutheran Church in Grays Lake, Illinois. Good morning. Welcome, brother. Good to have you with us today. Thank you very much. Good morning to you and to everyone who's listening. Yeah, and we're looking at Zechariah again. Uh, still not there to Zechariah chapter 9, so this is still this part of Zechariah that uh, we're we're not as familiar with, right? Yeah, but I would still argue there's plenty of meat for a nice meal. Yeah, that's a it's a good way. Of, well, it's, it's a nice way of putting it, and kind of an ironic one, given that the subject matter is <laughs> fasting. True. But um, there's plenty to fast on. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. There's plenty. There's plenty to not eat. <laughs> yeah, but, yes. but um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, it, it's just interesting because it. it I mean, it's we've seen a few chapters like this where there's this pivot, right? And uh, you got this first half, um, and then the second one pivots. And I, I do think actually that in the second half, it will sound more familiar to people. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that there's there are some famous words from elsewhere uh, among the prophets, perhaps from Micah six, that will that will sound kind of familiar, like oh yeah. Um, what what are your what are your thoughts? Totally, that's true. And I think if uh, I would encourage our listeners to stick with it, it's not an incredibly long chapter, thanks be to God, um, but there is plenty here, like you said, especially at the end, which um, will have echoes in other prophets, but also I would argue echoes in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Yeah, certainly. I, yeah, I, I think that... Um... I, I think even the the ESV kind of has some like helpful cross references suggests that like maybe Matthew twenty three like you know is is that kind of an echo right when totally. when our Lord is is giving his ethical teaching right so yeah certainly it's uh, Zechariah is just a book that seems to just pop up everywhere so it's so good that we're looking at it so let's go ahead and dig into this um, I, again just more kind of food language for the fasting chapter just I don't that's weird okay um, and as we do would you say a prayer for us and for everyone listening today let us pray Almighty God Father Son and Holy Spirit thank you for who you are and that you have made yourself known to us thank you God that we see you most clearly uh, in Jesus Christ crucified for us Thank you, God, for what that means for us, and thank you that 
you are with us through your Holy Spirit given to us in baptism, and that means we are never alone. And now we have, Almighty God, you coming to us in your word. And thank you, God, that it is in our language. Thank you for this ability for uh, to have the technology for me to be here in Illinois and for KFUO to be in St. Louis and for listeners to be wherever they are and to hear the Word of God and read it in their own language. And I pray your blessing upon this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, brother. It's always good as we pray and ask for things um, to also just take a moment to reflect on all the good things that God's giving us all the time. And there's, Indeed. as you were, as you were saying, there's, there's nothing short of honestly a string of miracles when you take a step back and look at it that we're even doing this this morning. So that's right. Praise be to God. That's right. And this, this was preserved for us that it's in our language and thanks be to God for people like Lutheran Bible translators and others who are making sure that this message is getting out. We have it. That's right. That's right. Yes. Uh, so lots, lots of good things that we, we ought not take for, for granted. So let, let's go ahead then and take a look at just the first verse. I'll just read this first verse, and then maybe if we can kind of take a pause and say, okay, um, change of setting, like what, what, how does this relate to what's, what we've read in these first six chapters? So here's chapter 7, verse 1. In the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day, of the ninth month, which is Kislev. Okay. So we've heard this before, this idea of the word of the Lord came to or fell upon Zechariah. I mean, we had that just, um, you know, just earlier back in verse nine of chapter six. Uh, it was sort of, you know, at the beginning of the book before he had all those visions. Uh, big thing is that it's a, it's a significantly different time here. So um, how is chapter seven following up on everything that we've read so far. Well, let me make a couple of comments, and then I'd like to yield to you to help us with previous Zechariah contexts. Yeah. Um, number one, just in case if you're just jumping into Zechariah, um, this is in the Old Testament. It is uh, after the return from exile. They're in the process of rebuilding themselves after being through the trauma and chaos of exile. So imagine kind of being removed from your lands and your people and your life and your God and now being able to come back, there's a transition time. There's probably, they didn't know it then, but they probably had PTSD and they're dealing yeah. with all the trauma they'd been. And now they're in the process of trying to rebuild. And part of that is to get back right with God um, and to, to, you know, get into healthy rhythms and habits again. And we're going to see that kind of in their, their fasting that God's going to want to say, hey, if you're going to do this, make sure you're doing it with the right heart behind it. Um, but I think it's important to note, too, that this is a historically dated book. These are real historical people. Um, historians would tell you, like, these are accurate times and accurate places. You know, as we contrast, the, for instance, the Old Testament with, say, the Book of Mormon, um, where there are no historically reliable or true places, um, we have the exact opposite. Right. And I, I always think it's interesting to pause whenever the Bible gives us these dates and years and people and geographic locations to know those are real. Thanks be to God. Uh, these right. are real people who occupied spaces. And, uh, you know, the word of the Lord comes. Um, this, is a, this, is, this is direct revelation from God to Zechariah, who would be his mouthpiece, to be his messenger, 
you know, contrast that with people today who say, hey, the word of the Lord told me to go to Denny's for lunch, you know, like that was probably a really good idea that maybe you've, you've kind of felt like you ought to do, but we wouldn't necessarily, the word of the Lord told you to do that. Like this is direct God yeah. talk to his people through his messenger. You know, as much as people might use that language today, I would argue probably ought to reserve that language for moments like this. And moments when we're actually diving into what we know is the Word of God. Uh, th- that's a, that's well said. I mean, and really, I think that a season like Lent, a season of repentance, is one where we, we really do have a very uh, natural moment to kind of stop and pause and, and say, well, how are we using language, right? I mean, I just um, mm. just heard a sermon on Sunday that was asking, you know, like, uh, do we use do we throw around the word temptation just a little bit too loosely today, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, can I tempt you with this piece of chocolate? And, oh, I'm, you know, I, I'm a sucker for, mm-hmm. for these temptations, right? And we just kind of, like, aha, temptation, you know, it's like fun. Uh, but, you know, does, does that language, does, does taking it uh, so lightly, right, does that like really serve Christian purposes? And to your, to your point, mm-hmm. right, does, does watering down, um, you know, the word of the Lord, um, you know, or the idea of God speaking to us, does watering that right. down, you know, really serve Christian purposes. So, I mean, well, well said. Um, something to be thinking about during a season of Lent. Um, again, another food reference with your Denny's comment. I'm wondering <laughs> if you are feeling the pangs of fasting, brother. Um, hang in there. You know, hang in there. To we, be honest, <laughs> I had a healthy breakfast today. I shouldn't be talking about food so much. But help, help us, AJ, because you've been diving into this uh, Zechariah text. Where do you see seven yeah. fit into previous yeah, chapters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's um, it is interesting that this is um, you know as you were saying you know we have this is historical situation, uh, but we haven't had that for uh, you know really very much since the very opening of the first chapter. You know, back in chapter one one, you know, we, we had you know in the eighth month in the second year of Darius, so uh, a little over two years since chapter yeah. seven. Um, in, in chapter in chapter one verse seven it was a few months later so so and then that's what begins this like this series of visions which kind of seem like in the way that it's presented to have kind of happened all in one night so it's just pretty significant in that it's sort of opening up like a very uh, like a whole new section of the book i would say that you know before there was all the stuff that happened two years ago it was like hey zechariah is here on the scene with haggai we got to remember right um you know encouraging them hey don't don't be like your fathers. It's time to you know get get things in gear here. Get moving. We're going to build this thing. Let's make it yeah. happen. Uh, almost two years later, um, you'd expect that the temple is probably near completion at this point. Um, it's it's almost it's almost done. Like the the lights at the end of the tunnel. Uh, this is a pretty significant turning point then in terms of how are we going to to your point. How how is that going to change the rhythms and the dynamics here of our life, our relationships, um, as we're entering this new phase of things? As we're you know com- coming out of the PTSD and figuring out, okay, now hang on a second, how how do we do this people of God thing and not yeah. have it turn out the way it did in the exile? Right. So I mean, this is this is a key moment, and it's really important to stop and take stock of, like, oh, okay, this this is a different time now. We've we've made some progress but we're not there yet yeah exactly right so so here we are now uh almost almost two years after 
um, the, the well, a little bit over two years after the opening of the book. And since all the action of the, the visions and the crowning of Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, um, like, you know, maybe like a year and like 10 months or something like that. So here we are, different situation. What's going to happen? All right, let's pick it up at verse two. Now, the people of Bethel had sent Sherezer and Regamelech and their men to entreat the favor of the Lord, saying to the priests of the house of the Lord of hosts and the prophets, Should I weep and abstain in the fifth month, as I have done for so many years? Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, Say to all the people of the land and the priests, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and in the seventh for these seventy years, was it for me that you fasted? And when you eat and when you drink, do you not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? Were not these the words that the Lord proclaimed by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and prosperous with her cities around her and the south and the lowland were inhabited? All right, so pause pause right there. Um, this is about to, you know, introduce something, right? So we have, like, obviously in verse 7, we're not these the words, and so, okay, we're going to, in, in verse 8, we're going to, okay, what did God say through the former prophets? So, like, hold that mm. thought. But the situation is they're asking about fasting, um, and they don't use the word, it's like weep and abstain, but that's, that's, that's certainly fasting, lamentation, penitential language here. So what what's going on here? Why have they been fasting in the fifth and the seventh months for apparently 70 years now. Yeah, my understanding of this is like, you know, so like you said, they, they, they're they in the real building process, light at the end of the tunnel, kind of probably feels like they've turned a corner. Like, this is a yeah. new day for us. Yeah. Should we still weep and abstain? Should we still mourn? Should we still fast? Should we still all do all those things that we used to do? to kind of recall what happened when Jerusalem was first demolished um, yeah. and, and we lost right. and we mourned. Like, is it still worth looking back and remembering that in mourning and fasting? Right. Yeah, no, it, it's certainly connected to the exile, right? Again, that, that 70 years. We've seen that a few times, right? Um, and, and really this, this recalls, for me, and we went through Daniel a few months ago. This reminds me a lot of Daniel's prayer, where Daniel is is praying. He goes, it says, it look he looks it up in, in Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is the one who famously has this seventy years, right? And he, there's Daniel looking at it, kind of doing the math, and he's like, "Well, hang on a second. It's been like seventy years now, right? Like, isn't it mm. time for us to go? Like, what? Why? Why are mm. we? Why are we still in Babylon?" So. Um, this this is kind of this live question, as you were saying. You know, it's like it feels like we're rounding a corner here. Are, are we are we done? Are we is this is the exile like done? Like we're about to you know put the capstone on this thing and and be done with it. So is is this yeah. it? And so uh, yeah, it, it, that's it's a, a valid question, right? It's uh, we shouldn't. And, and this is the problem. I feel like we we uh, tend to read like all these questions and kind of like the whiny voice, like like yeah. uh, <laughs> like the, the like the disciples are like. Like, like Jesus, like can, can we sit on your left and right? Like, because we're awesome, you know. And we're just like, oh, yeah. you, you guys, or you know, like Peter comes up and is like, uh, c- can I, can I build like a tent for you guys? And like, we just, we kind of make everyone into, I, I don't know, numbskulls or something like that. But it's not, it's not a, it's not a dumb question. Like, are are we still in the phase of of exile and mourning, or is it time to celebrate the good things of God that He has worked yeah. a a new day 
in the life of his people, right? I mean, celebration, as we were just saying, thanking God for his goodness, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a reasonable question. Right, it is. And God loves questions. Um, God loves questions. Like, questions reveal, like, faith and trust and curiosity about things of God. Um, Jesus says in John 6, those who come to me, I will never drive away. And so I mm-hmm. think I, I, I don't look at that as a foolish question. I think it's a very legitimate question. Like, where, where are we at here? Do we need to keep doing this? And the answer they get from the Lord to me is just marvelous. Well, certainly. So, and that's and that's where you really want to. It's important to have a clear understanding of what what's behind their question, right? So, because when he says this, uh, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and the seventh month, these seventy years, was it for me that you fasted? We got to be really careful with this, right? Because uh, again, we could read this as just like really scathing, like you know, hey. Were you? Did you really have me in your heart, or were you just being selfish, right? Or like, you yeah. know, were you? Were, did you have true religion, like in true faith, or were you just faking it, like the Pharisees, right? And, and so mm. you could you could read that like really scathing, right? Really condemning. But again, so hang on, what's the fast about? Well, so the fast, as as you were saying, and this is this is important. The fifth month, right? That's the commemoration. And this is actually what we have, like, recorded. Um, I think it's in uh, Jeremiah 52. Yeah, yeah, no, here it is. Jeremiah 52, 12. It says, in the fifth month, on the tenth day of the month, that was 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the bodyguard who served the king of Babylon, entered Jerusalem. Um, And it goes on to say, and he burned the house of the Lord. So, I mean, there it is in Jeremiah it's this fifth month that's significant because it's the burning of not just Jerusalem, but the temple. So they have, this is the thing that's important. They have decided to fast, to, to commemorate and really to mourn this tragic day in their history. But they were the ones who decided to do that. So, so th- this is, I think, the crux of the of the of the question, the rhetorical question that we get back here. Um, it, it, I don't think you have to read it as condemning, like, oh, were, were you just like fake, you know, being pious or something, or being Pharisees about it. But I think the question is like, well, guys, did I command you to to fast? Mm-hmm. Like, why are you asking me about the fasting? Like, you decided to fast on your own, and maybe you had really good reasons, but that's not exactly what. I said, right? I mean, what what, what are you yeah. thinking? I I love it, and I think this is another example where, like, it just at first glance you can kind of really read through it fast and kind of miss the depth of the question. But it's a yeah. great question. It, to just drop a quick cultural reference, it mm-hmm. makes me think of probably one of the more celebrated TV shows of you know recent times, which was the TV show Breaking Bad. Mm, if right. you or uh, any of our listeners are unfamiliar with it, quick synopsis. It's a story of a <laughs> high school chemistry teacher who gets a terminal illness diagnosis. And uh, the story of him transitioning from kind of a just a normal high school chemistry teacher to someone who gets involved in some highly nefarious behavior. 
yeah. won't go into details. Um, but really, <laughs> the crux of the story really it runs much deeper, which is about his own journey to discover who he is. And right. he kind of makes it out to be like he's involved in this highly nefarious behavior because he's doing it for his family. But yep. his family is like, we never asked you to do this. You know, we want yep. the old Walter White back. And yeah. so the whole thing is like he's lying to himself. He's actually doing this for himself. It has nothing to do with his family. In fact, he's forsaking his family in the act of doing this. That is a there's a slight hinge of that here, which is the Lord kind mm. of saying, "Hey, was this really about? Was this about me? Like, I like you said, I didn't ask you to do this. And if you're doing practices that you think are drawing your drawing." yourself to me and they're not, you need to really think about why you're doing them at all. Right. Well, well said. I got to say that was, um, a lot cleaner and uh, a lot actually more relevant than I might've guessed when you mentioned breaking bad, uh, <laughs> as, a, <laughs> as a synopsis and application. So, uh, well, well, well done. Uh, yeah, I, I, th I think that, um, yeah, no, no, I, I, I do, I do think that like there really is something about that. I mean, like when he has that moment with, um, with, with, with Skyler, and, and it's like, okay, no, it was, it was for me. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, spoiler alert today, right? Uh, but I have to put something in the notes now. Be like, if you're, if you're watching Breaking Bad, right? Like, uh, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's really we, we do this. <laughs> yeah, I know that's right. We, uh, we, we do this where, where we really we, we lie to ourselves, right? And, and it's like not so much that we're, we're hypocrites in the sense of like we're just. Like, I don't know what we're just kind of putting on airs to like, you know, get, um, you know, praise for people. But like we have actually deceived ourselves and we we believe our own lies and we yeah. need somebody to kind of like, you know, you know, take us by the shoulders and, and say, snap out of it. Wake up, you know. Um, and, and so that's I, I think, yeah, that, that that's, that's I, I like that as a as, as a way of kind of framing this that. It, it's not like he's saying like you guys are a bunch of liars. You're not even like really, you know, faithful people. You're not even people of faith. You're just, you're just pretending, right? Like, no, it's not like that, but somewhere along the lines, right. Of, you know, cause it's, cause it is interesting. And I'm not, I'm going to try not to like, just talk about breaking bad the entire time now, but like, I, I feel like when, when Walter White starts out, I feel like there is actually like mm. a, a part of it where he does want to provide for his family. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think from the very beginning, there's also the other stuff which, which comes to the, to the fore. Right. But it starts off, I mean, with, with some of those good intentions, right. But right. they get, they get mixed up along the way. And so I think that like right. similarly here, there, there was a good reason to fast for the destruction of Jerusalem. I mean, how could you not, what are you going to do? Like, I mean, celebrate and have cake or something. I mean, on that day, how could you bring yourself to do that? And, and why did, why was it destroyed? Because of our sin. So of course we're going to fast, right? I mean, like, you know, it's like right. fasting during Lent, you know, like we, it's because of the, the sin of the world that the Lord Jesus had to die. So is it appropriate to fast in the fifth month? Yes. Is it appropriate to fast in the seventh month? Yeah. That's when the, the last governor of, uh, of Judah, um, Gedaliah was assassinated. Of course we should mm -hmm. fast, but somewhere along the way, did we start getting things mixed up and we did, we start lying to ourselves and did we start believing that? Yeah, and good observation too, because at the beginning of Breaking Bad, he does like he, it, the, probably the modus armor. They're they're healthier, but then over time, like 
a decently motive thing like the evil one starts to really work overtime on. Yeah. I think this this the, the 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 evil one loves to take the gifts of the Lord and warp them and twist them and then in the end we totally miss what that gift was about in the first place. And I think that's yeah. the heart of this call to God's people in the book of Zechariah. And I love the kind of twofold aspect of it where the first thing, hey, when you fasted and mourned, but then also um, when you eat and drink, you know, that is yeah. like the opposite, right? On the flip side. So that yeah. makes me think, hey, in times of the first part, hey, in times of spiritual repentant moments and fasting and you know, make sure your heart is aligned with the Lord in the midst of that. But then Amen. in moments yeah, right. of the opposite, yep. in moments of like health and abundance and blessing and thanksgiving, like don't they make that just about the thing that you're doing. Let that be a window into the goodness and greatness of God. You know, so maybe right, we, that there's danger. There's a ditch on either side of the road. There's a right. ditch on we, either side. <laughs> we we got to take our break here, but everyone, hang on. We're looking at Zechariah chapter 7 on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. Great. Hi, folks, this is Matt Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Join us for the March on the Arch, Saturday, March 7, a pro-life event for you to confess your belief that life is a sacred, sacred thing. Check-in begins at 11 a.m. and a rally at 12.30, and then marching from the West End at Planned Parenthood to the Arch in St. Louis. Check out lcms.org slash marchforlife, lcms.org slash marchforlife. Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor H.S. Espinosa. We are looking at Zechariah chapter 7 today. This question about fasting, which really we're looking at, is a question that really all of us are asking. Why are we doing these things? Maybe did we start off with good motivations and good intentions, wanting to, to serve God and be faithful, but did we start lying to ourselves along the way? It is a constant danger, as uh, our guest was just saying, one that you can run into both in the best of times and in the worst of times, the dangers on either side. We are joined today by Pastor Brian Davies, pastor at Lord of Glory Lutheran Church in Grace Lake, Illinois. I want to make sure to invite our live listeners. If you have a question for me or Pastor Davies, you can give us a call, 1-800-730-2727. Or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. And you can also always send an email to kfuo at kfuo.com. 
org. Also want to just make sure to thank uh, our underwriters for their support. They're the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. We were just talking at the top of the hour about how, I mean, really, aren't we blessed that we have all of this in our language? Let's not take it for granted. This is what the work that um, the Lutheran Heritage Foundation is doing to support translation um, of the Bible and of catechetical materials uh, in all kinds of languages all around the world. Check them out at lhfmissions.org. So, we right, we had just looked at, kind of, he, he flips the question around, like, uh, and, and really, it's, it, what's interesting to me, right, is it, it's a lot like Job. It's a lot like these moments where we come in with a question, right, and we're like, hey, God, like, you know, I mean, you know, and of course, they're, they're, they're pretty pious at this point. So it's like, you know, you know, Lord, could you, you know, weigh in on this matter? We'd like to hear a word from you. And, and you know, what's God's answer like? So your question is too small. Like, let, let's look yeah. at the big picture, guys. And isn't this exactly what the Lord Jesus did all the time? People would come and say, you know, like, hey, you know, what, what, how about this? Or, you know, hey, tell, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me, right? And, and the Lord just so often is like, so instead of answering your question, I'm going to give you a better question because right. you're, you're not looking at this big enough. Right. And questions do such a great work of inviting and fostering what really needs to happen, which is self-examination, thoughtfulness, conversation, prayer, discernment, you know, where like, you know, we think we got it figured out. And then the question comes and it's like, Oh, and I do just love that the, the, you know, you can fall in the gutter on both sides. And I guess I just want to touch base again on that real quick as we transition yeah, yeah. to the second part of seven, which is, you know, you can miss the boat if you, you're fasting and weeping and mourning kind of um, you you kind of miss where that ought to be directed. But also in times of uh, the language here, when you eat and, and when you drink, don't eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves. You know, I think about my weekend ahead. Um, tonight I have a fundraising event, one, uh, for something that my wife is a part of. It's an event I really like Saturday. Uh, we're hanging with some friends that we haven't seen in a little while. It'll be really good to, to do both. And I think the temptation would be to think of, okay, well, those are secular things. Those are Mm. not godly things like that. You know, they're not in the context of a church worship service. Um, so they're like worldly earthly things, but what if, yeah. God would say, Hey, actually, no, like those friends you're hanging with Saturday, they were people I put in your life for you. And they're all to be celebrated, not as like ends in and of themselves as like the friends you have and the drinks you drink and the food that you eat, but they're rather a window into the goodness of God to you. And then when I'm hanging Friday with these people that I'm looking forward to seeing at this event, like I, sh- even though it's not in a church service, I always say, hey, thank you, God, for this neat event. There's good people here, and I get to hang with them. And so I think both in the repentance times and in the times of abundance, we're going to say, hey, God, you're in both of these. Right. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think that's, that's well said. I mean, it reminds me of just, I mean, Lu- I mean, Luther, right, just so much of his work on vocation and this idea that, you know, hey, it's not as if there's like, you know, I don't, I don't know, holy and like uh, spiritual vocations. And then there's just kind of worldly, just of this of this world, mm-hmm. secular vocations. Right. I mean, he really, um, really attacked that distinction, not not because like there's no distinction between the the spiritual um, and the worldly. I mean, I mean, certainly there is. You can't like read the Gospels without 
uh, that impression clearly coming through right but but the idea that right like that in order to serve god you've got to like be in a monastery or you've got to be a pastor or something like that right like that's where we right. fall into lots of trouble just as you were saying because I, I feel like the the question that god poses back to the delegation from bethel is now, now hang on a second do you really think you've got this distinction clear in your own minds right i mean because mm-hmm. if you're the ones who decided to do this fasting right is is that a god thing or is that a you thing right and, and kind of like you're bringing mm-hmm. up the flip side right if we go and we, we we celebrate some kind of uh, secular thing, right? Well, is that really like an us thing or is it a God thing, right? Because again, like yeah. who's the one who gave us the blessings we're celebrating anyway? So uh, who, who are the people that we're serving? Did God not tell us to serve those people, right? So the, the, the distinction, right? Like, do we have it so clear in our own heads or have we, again, fooled ourselves um, and for our own convenience and for the sake of justifying ourselves, kind of just oversimplified things so that we could just kind of pat ourselves on the back. Exactly. And in doing so, in both circumstances, miss the thing that God wants us to see. That is, it's all about him, you know, and it's all about worship. And it's, and, and, and the, the, so let's keep going because there's more good stuff ahead. That's right. That's right. So, so we heard in verse seven, right? We're not these the words that the Lord proclaimed by the former prophets, right? And so, there's that term we've seen again: uh, the former prophets, prophets like Isaiah. So we're talking about the prophets that were before the Babylonian disaster, before before the exile. So, okay, what did they say? What did God actually ask for? Right? All right. Here it is, verse eight. And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying. Thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, and let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. Just pause there really quick. Um, Because we want to just kind of take a, I I think, a moment just to look at the words themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So this this is surprising, I feel like, in some ways, because what the chapter seems to be right all about like well like are we are we going to build this right and what's like this what's the spiritual perspective right and last time we saw like the chariots and we've seen all these different visions like god is at work in this temple project it's all about you know building the temple building a temple and here then is this uh, what some people might say is like this ethical teaching it's like oh hang on a second like i thought this was about building the temple right but it's just fascinating because hey look guys like don't go and make the mistake of saying, hey, this is all this like temple stuff, right? Um, and, and this is kind of like, it's one thing over here. And then like, we're going to compartmentalize and say like, oh, but then like, you know, this, uh, you know, what we're, what we're kind of doing day to day, that's just kind of normal life. Like, no, that's the stuff that God talked about. And you're asking about this uh, fasting for the exile. Let's not forget why we went into exile to begin with. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, these words have echoes in uh, the ministry of Jesus, wherein Jesus says, you know, the command is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. And this one also, love your neighbor as yourself. Like the best way to show love for God is to show love for others. And what we're seeing here, I think the first part of seven is a lot of people thinking 
they showed love for God by, you know, what they did seemingly for God in their repentance or mourning or fasting. And then God says, hey, remember, turn that love for me into outward love shown to other people and make sure you don't miss these people that so many have overlooked. Right. Yeah, no, right. I I think that that's, yeah, yeah, like the idea of of overlooking or or missing the point, right? Like not, not as if, you know, God's saying, like, I don't want you to fast anymore, right? Like fasting, yeah. that's, that's besides the point, right? Um, I mean, you know, the Lord Jesus and the apostles, like, fasted. Like, the earliest Christian church, right, fasted, um, it seems like, from from the very beginning, right? So, I mean, like, Paul fasted, right? I mean, so it's like, that's clearly not the point, that we, like, he's saying, like, oh, no, fasting's a bad idea, that's just a ritual right. or something. That's not the point. It's, hey, don't forget or overlook what what's behind it right i mean what's what's the purpose of it and so uh you get those echoes right in in the gospels right in the teaching of the lord jesus where you know he's like hang on a second guys like you you say you're following the law but i mean this is why god gave you the law to begin with i mean this is like kind of the whole thrust of the sermon on the mount right and and he yep. says like hey I, I haven't come to abolish moses no 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 not one you know the the slightest stroke of the pen do I come to abolish from Moses? Right? No. Um, but don't miss the point here. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I, it makes me also think of Jesus in his time, um, with Mary and Martha and one is busy preparing and cleaning and being hospitable. The other sitting at Jesus feet and Jesus says, doesn't scold the busy one, but and says, says, hey, choose what's better. And so in essence, like, there's no prohibition against fasting, but says, hey, in the fasting, don't miss what's better, which is putting your love into action and in these ways into these people. Uh, the Lutheran Study Bible has a wonderful Luther quote in it. And so to okay. those of you who are working from the Lutheran Study Bible, it's a gift to us to see this. If not, I'd like to read it. Um, his uh, the note on this is a Luther quote where he says, now he in turn answers that this is true fasting. When we forgive our enemies, when we remit that which we have burdened them with in an unchristian way, and when in addition we do good to them and help them. Whoever does this, whoever does this fasts well, though he continue to eat and drink. Well, that, that's dynamite, Luther. I love it. That mm. is, you can eat and drink and still be fasting because your heart is turned to the other. Love it. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, like, you'll leave it to Luther just uh, to, to make the point very boldly, right? I mean, yes. that, to, to say, like, yeah, that's that's still fasting, even if you're, you know, eating and drinking. I mean, like, it does, it does sort of recall, you know, um, you know, our Lord's own teaching when, when he was talking to the Pharisees, and again, he, he's using bold language where he says, "Hey, next time you fast, you know, you know, put put your best clothes on, you know, like you know, make sure that you do your hair nice, like don't don't like don't go in like you know all the the uh, you know all the disfigurement and like the groaning and like all oh, the stomach pains, right? And like you you go and you make your make it obvious, right, that you're fasting because you're just doing it for for show, right? Because yeah. then you've missed the point. And uh, again, not, none of that to say like you know, that Luther or Jesus was saying like, well, stop, stop like literally fasting. Right. Cause like, that's just useless. Like, no, like it's, it's a bold way of, of making the point. But I mean, right. the boldness is there because it's like, hang on a second. Like it's doing more harm than good to do all the outward stuff. Um, if you've completely neglected 
uh, the, the inward dimension. And, and so this exactly. is why, you know, these, you get these echoes and like the, the famous one, right. That people, a lot of people have memorized is from Micah six. Um, he has told you, Oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Right. And that, that sounds very familiar. I think when we're looking at this part of Zechariah and, you know, it's, Again, if you look if you look at that part of uh, you know Micah right before that, it says like um, you know shall I come to him with burnt offerings with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams with ten thousands rivers of oil? Right, and 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 the danger is that we kind of take the the boldness of this language and say like oh like therefore you know for, forget this like you know like uh, you know this fasting or some some congregations right like some groups in Christianity have said like we're going to stop you know we're not going to meet on Sunday to, like this week because we're going to be out in the community serving people, right? We're going to do something that's mm-hmm. outward oriented, not just, you know, inward focused on ourselves and our own worship. Right. And it's just like, well, now hang on a second. That's, that's throwing out the baby with the bath water. Don't go, don't go onto that side of the ditch either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and this made me think like, you know, if you are fasting, but then like, battling road rage because you're so hungry and tired and crabby with your family, you're kind of missing the fasting point. Yeah. Right. And so what I did was, um, I think you, cause it's tempting just kind of like read over that as kind of one big, will be nice to others, but really like break it apart. Render true judgments. When you have an opportunity to uh, lead and to serve, make sure that you're honoring everybody. Like if you have three kids, like, love each one individually and differently in a beautiful way. Um, same thing with church, family, life, like uh, sh- uh, show kindness and mercy to one another. Boy, is our culture starving for that or what? Yeah. We live in a culture where that's not really put into practice. And so this is incredibly countercultural. And yeah. But these words of Jesus are very true and very apropos for us today. Yeah, absolutely right. And, and each one of those is just full of, of meaning that's worth, I mean, taking a whole hour just to reflect on. I mean, um, do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, right? I mean, now that's an idea that comes up all the time. You know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's all over the Old Testament. I mean, we, we saw that, that's in Leviticus, that we saw that pop up in Numbers. You know, that's that's something that, that gets carried through to the prophets. We saw it in Isaiah. You see that in the Gospels, right? You see that in James, right? Like the letters of Paul. I mean, it's just, yeah, the, the stuff about like t- taking care of and showing mercy and giving alms, right, to the poor, the oppressed, uh, those who uh, have have been like uh, had, had their voices suppressed and quieted, who are not represented, right? Like that's, yeah, yeah. We we call that social justice, and sometimes we're tempted to like label it as social justice and say like, and therefore that is a liberal left-wing thing and we don't mm. do that. Um, but no, the before, before it became a liberal left-wing thing, it was something that God said. So, um, right. let's, let's not, so let's not. thank <laughs> you so much for saying that. Yeah. Tell me why you think that's so important to God. Cause you're right. It's laced throughout the scriptures. You can try to dismiss it by saying like, well, it's a social justice thing. We don't do that. So right. that off, but if yeah. we're not going to do that, and we think it's real, like, why do you think that's important to God? I mean, this is just like the Lord saying in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, 
Um, you know, if, if you do not forgive the sins of others, then neither your, will your Father in heaven forgive you. I mean, this mm-hmm. is ultimately a, an issue of grace. And if we don't believe in grace, right, if we don't have grace for the people who have less and who by no merit of their own can obtain what they need, then we are rejecting God's grace for ourselves because they mm-hmm. are an image of ourselves before God. When you look at the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, the poor, that's me before God. Mm. We are all beggars, as Luther says. And so if we say um, effectively, well, I don't believe in grace. Like, you know, if, they, if, they're, if they're so miserable, like it's their own fault and I'm not going to help them. Well, that's our hearts hardening themselves and saying, ultimately, therefore, I don't want God to show me that kind of grace because I right. don't think I need it. Um, and that's, I mean, so we, we really, it, the danger is that we, we close ourselves off to the only hope, which is God's undeserved mercy and love for ourselves right great start i we could talk about this for a really long time and i think that's a great one that (laughs) like how those people are um sometimes by no choice of their own um is how we are before god by choice of our own and if god gives me grace ought i give them grace great great start yeah, and I appreciate that you're that you're saying start because there is there's so much more that you could say about this. There is. I mean, it, it there it's, is. it's 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 big. It's a big and same thing with the last one about, you know, scheming in the heart, right? The last one, right? You know, these plans uh, you know, to 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 hurt someone or harm someone in a way that seems right but really isn't. You know, so much could be said, but let let's take a look. We got to have some time here. So he throws this out here. It's this summary of what the former prophets have said. It's the stuff that was neglected and therefore was the reason why we had to have an exile to begin with. The whole reason why mm-hmm. we have to mourn in the fifth month and the seventh month is because we didn't do this stuff. So the bigger yeah. question, right, is are we going to do this finally, right? And not, you know, like, is, is it the right time to stop fasting or not? Like, you know, we, we could judge that question for ourselves if we would deal with the bigger matter here, the more pressing matter. So that, that's what we have. There it is. You know, the, there's the word of the Lord through Zechariah. But what do the people do with it? Well, okay. Let's look at it here. Verse 11. But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their hearts that they stopped their ears that they might not hear. They made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. As I called and they would not hear, so they called and I would not hear, says the Lord of hosts. And I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations that they had not known. Thus the land they left was desolate, so that no one went to and fro, and the pleasant land was made desolate. Okay, so a lot like Isaiah here, where... Um, it ends on a on a, a on a uh, ominous note here. So, yeah, take take us through this reaction here um, to to mm-hmm. the words uh, from from the former prophets, right? Yeah, great. Um, this is the cycle of God's people in the Old Testament, um, but thankfully we've learned. Ha ha ha! <laughs> you know, which is you know, God gives His grace. Thanks be to God, people live in it, celebrate it, but then turn slowly 
uh, great Hemingway quote, how did this happen slowly, then suddenly? Like, you know, you slowly drift away, and then all of a sudden you're so far away. Israel's so far away from God. God comes down in wrath and judgment, and then um, the people turn to God, and then he gives grace again, and then the cycle kind of starts again. That's our cycle, right? I mean, we we do the same thing. We turn away, and this is why regular worship, regular confession and forgiveness— Regular reception of the Lord's Supper is so important to us as God's people because that's us turning back by God's Spirit to God to receive his gifts of grace. Verse 11, they refused to heed the message of the former prophets. They turned a stubborn shoulder. I love that language. Stopped their ears. Makes me think of Jesus, who over the course of his ministry many times said, He who has ears, let him hear. As in, pay attention to this. Don't miss it. But God's people here, their hearts became diamond hard. Like, you can't get harder than that, their hearts were. They stopped up their ears. They were no longer turning to God. And then God's response Verse 12, great anger, wrath. I tried to draw them to myself, um, but they would not they would not come to me. And so the, the message is kind of don't be like that. Turn to me. Come and find me. Okay, and I'm really glad you said the last thing, right? The message is don't be like that. Okay, this is, I think, uh, this is, I feel like this is actually pretty gigantic, and this is a uh, speaks to the importance of translations here. Um, If you look at the way that the ESV is punctuated here, you might think that verse 11 is describing the people's reaction there in like, you know, uh, 518 or 516 BC to Zechariah, right? That Zechariah is saying, hey, like you guys from Bethel, um, hey, this is what God said, and then they were like, ah, oh, no, forget that, and they, and they hardened yeah. their hearts, right? Because the quotation marks, they end um, after verse 10, right? And so you, you might think that, like, that's, that's, that's what's going on there. Um, it's interesting, though, that, like, say you look at, like, uh, for instance, like the NIV, um, there you have the, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, right, in verse 8, and then the quotation marks, they, they open up, but then you got these like sub quotation marks and and the quotation marks just they just keep popping up throughout the rest of the chapter. So it's actually a bit of a, a live question when you're trying to interpret this. Is this describing the people's reaction to Zechariah, right? Or is this like God saying, Hey, look, this is why I said through the former prophets, and that's how your fathers reacted, right? Yeah. They refused to pay attention. So the message for you then is don't do it. <laughs> don't don't be yeah. like that again, right? So, uh, so 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 yeah. So I, I think that, and I and I, as I am listening to you, like it, it sounds to me like you're you're going on the side of like th- this is a, a summary of what had happened. Take away, you guys don't let's not repeat history. Correct. That is how I take it, and also how I think we ought to look at. Like, I, best thing I read about this was. You know, read the Bible with um, the Bible in one hand and a mirror in the other, as if to say, what does the Lord have for me here? And I think this is a great pattern that we want to recognize is part of fallen, sinful humanity. 
and God's Word is trying to draw us out of it. Um, devotionally, recently I read through Psalm 78, and I would encourage listeners to kind of walk through that because it is a great, lengthy psalm that kind of depicts God's heart for his people in the Old Testament, and how they keep turning away from him, but how God keeps giving grace. Sometimes he has to give wrath in order to really discipline them and really draw them back to himself. But like, you know, how, how great is it when we look at that as an example and say, Lord, may that not be me. You know, can I get a steady diet of your word and your gifts so that I don't fall into that same trap? Right. No, no, exactly. I think, and I, and I agree with you in, in, in reading it this way, not, not as if, not, not to say, right, like don't, uh, don't let anyone misunderstand, as, as if like, as you were kind of uh, pointing us to, as if the people after the exile, like, oh, well, they finally got it, right? Yeah. And they, the, they weren't going to make the mistakes anymore. It's just the people before the exile, man, that was just, they were dense, but we, we have figured it out, right? Yeah. Not to say, not, not to say that. However, right, not also to negate, right, the idea that God is, isn't like working in our lives, right? I mean, because this, this is a trap that we, we can, especially in our circles, fall into where we say like we are just kind of doomed to repeat the, like, the same mistakes of the past again and again and again um, as if there can never be any improvement because we're just a lost cause. And it's like, well, true that the, that the old man is a lost cause, but um, the Holy Spirit's stronger than the old man, right? Like That's the right. power of God is greater than than the power of our fallen nature um god can actually avert crisis and call us effectively to repentance and actually through his mercy um have us avoid um at least some of the time uh, repeating the mistakes of the past so That's anyway, right. just, just 30 seconds here but just kind of wrapping it up here with the half minute that we have left uh, your your closing thoughts Second Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Um, even though that is, we are sinful humans, um, as we turn and receive his gifts, that makes us new and it changes who we are. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. Amen. Thanks be to God. Brother, it's so good having you back. Thanks. And Thanks. looking forward to having you on again soon. Sounds great. Have a good day. You too, brother. Everybody, that was Pastor Brian Davies, pastor at Lord of Glory Lutheran Church in Grays Lake, Illinois. Thanks for joining us today. Moving on to Zechariah chapter 8. Until then, everybody, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.